Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Headcase Podcast. Um, for new listeners or returning listeners, thank you for tuning in. I'm here with a special guest. Her name is Max Zara Sturk, and she is a fashion designer based in Amsterdam and London. Um, so, Max, welcome. It's so good to have you and actually see your face while doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we spoke before briefly about, you know, mental health and that topic in relation to fashion and especially fashion design as a creator. So can you just talk a little bit about like your experience in fashion, what led you there, and then we can get into kind of the nitty gritty (laughs) so you first want to hear how I got into fashion is that what you're asking yeah okay um well how I got into fashion I mean that's quite difficult to say because I think it has um already since a child been very clear that I wanted to be a fashion designer um I mean I see shapes of dresses and everything around me so already as a child I'm being like inspired by everything around me, finding things on the streets, putting it in my sketchbook and making dresses out of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was really clear when I, I actually did professional uh, gymnastics. And uh, when I got, and I actually thought like that would be my profession, that will be like my job, both um, to Olympics and to train every day. But then I got an injury and that was actually when I actually got, uh, of course, like super sad because I wanted to be a gymnast. But then it made me come back as well to fashion and to design, something that I have um, always done as a child. And also because I was looking like, okay, what now, you know, because I gave everything for this profession. Uh, and then, of course, like, where do you start then? So when I looked back and I saw like all my sketchbooks and my notes and stuff, it's always been designing and creating. So, um, yeah, then I went to uh, fashion school. Oh, actually, I wanted to go to fashion school, but I applied and I got rejected. Oh, because no. they, Yeah, they rejected me. And this was, oh, yeah, because I went to this school and I was there. And I was like, oh, whoa, this is like finally like exactly how I feel and everything I wanted to do. And I felt like I felt so home being in this university. I was like, wow, this is the place. And then I applied, but I was still in high school. And then they rejected me and they said, like, yeah, you're too young, um, you're uh, too insecure yet, so uh, please get some experience uh, and then come back. Yeah. And as young as I was, I was just like, okay, um, I'm going then to Paris to do some fashion, <laughs> to do uh, to work in fashion. I mean, without any experience, I thought... Good for go- you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was... It was really funny. I, I just thought like, yeah, I want to go. To, I want to work in fashion, so why not go to Paris? But yeah, I was seventeen. So then um, I went to Paris, and the first night, actually, I met this guy, and his wife uh, is a couturier. So I actually got an internship the first night I went out in Paris. Wow. <laughs> and I actually that was when it was really clear because when I started working there, she like. She uh, taught me everything from sewing on the buttons to actually making like a couture jacket. 
And then I really felt that I had it in my hands, you know, in my fingers. Like, it made complete sense. I really understood, like, spatial awareness. Um, yeah, and then it was really clear, like, fashion was completely the right direction. So there it actually all started, I think, when I just went to Paris and thought, like, hello, I'm going to live there. Wow, <laughs> you really lucked out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a weird experience. But, you know, like, there's these moments in your life that you just feel like I have to go, I have to do this without having literally, like, a plan. You know what you want to do, but there's nothing in front of you yet. It just feels right. Good. And then these things happen, so... That was it, really. And then you continued to work with other brands and kind of that led you to just starting your own not that long ago. Yeah, that's true. So I then studied uh, in this university where I went um, when I felt like so connected uh, already. And then I got accepted and I did there the four years. Uh, So that was in the Netherlands, in Arnhem. And then... Yeah, and then during that time, I did an internship in London at JW Anderson. Uh, that was also a really good experience. And then after uh, that, I so after my graduation, I went to Italy and worked for La Perla. Uh, so I did lingerie design there. And after La Perla, I helped the creative director of building a new sustainable fashion brand. And then from there on, I also then worked after for Alexander McQueen uh, wow. for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the experiences were interesting and has has all led me actually to really finally start my own brand. And I mean, I already knew that I wanted to do that in the end, but I wanted to do the experience. And also, yeah, I didn't know how to start another brand really and why to start. There's so many brands already. So I thought maybe I can actually be head of design for another company. Then I realized that for me, fashion design is not only designing clothes. It's about like the whole structure of the business. And therefore, in the end, I uh, had to start for myself because um, yeah, I just had different ideas of how to have a company and run a company. That's amazing. Because I'm sure you've seen a lot of the bad side of fashion and and how toxic it can be and draining and things like that so I'm sure that's stuff you experienced along the way that probably made you want to be like okay I want to be my own boss instead yeah exactly and also like I think um not only in fashion but in so many industries where it just we're almost thought like you can only do this when you work like 24 7 and you need to work really hard and give everything you have like almost that there's not that it's not possible to have a life aside, and I realized that when I was working, I was working twenty four seven, not having a life, not taking care of my body, and not taking care of my mental health, and I felt like that had to change for me. I mean, there are probably other people that have a different experience, but I felt like I I gave myself so much, and that I completely lost myself. So. In order to actually save myself and make sure that I could balance it, I had to start also for myself so I can, you know, decide my own working hours also to keep boundaries as much as I want. Um, Yeah. And also do the things that you love because I also realized when you're passionate about something, I think it's really difficult to say no to things 
and also to, I mean, to, um, yeah, to give your boundaries. I think like when you love something, you're just going to do everything there's possible to make it happen. And um, I mean, in the end, that has led me to actually being in a burnout because I wanted to do it so much and I believed so much in it that in the end, I just um, forgot my body and my mind. I right. just uh, work for the passion, really, and for the passion, passion for passion. So you basically burnt yourself out, probably spread yourself too thin. And what did you do when, I know it was around the time of the pandemic, and we both kind of discussed that the pandemic, while being this horrible, horrible thing, could that time in isolation was beneficial for some people to heal from like being overworked and spread thin and people asking too much of them and traveling too much or doing this and that. So that burnout kind of came around the time where like probably right before um, the lockdown. So how did you handle that? Like what, what would you have done, I guess, if you didn't have that lockdown to kind of take a break? And what what sort of what sort of like triggered triggered it in your mind that you realized like, oh crap, I can't function anymore? Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, the trigger like the trigger that I couldn't do it that it was the burnout that I knew like, oh my god, I'm done is because. I literally had no strength anymore to get out of bed. And I mean, I think in general, I'm a quite social uh, person and I think quite positive mindset as well. And then from that moment, like I couldn't get out of the house. I felt like every time I went out of the house, there came this dark cloud over me and I had no clue where it came from. I had no clue what it was. And yeah, it was really weird because you still feel like the energy inside of you, like you want to do things, but you don't know where to direct it to or, uh, yeah, you don't know what to do with yourself because you feel so sad and down. So I think like in those moments, I was still thinking like, okay, then I need to do my own project. I need to do something that makes me happy because creativity has always been for me like the solution or like almost my medicine. But in that moment, it was the first time I also didn't felt creative. Like, as now, as I look around me, like, everything around me inspires me. Like, I can create, like, 60 sketches for you in a second, you know? Like, it just comes out. And in that moment, nothing came out. Right. And I was pushing myself so much of making things come out because I also felt like, you know, the rush of the industry. And that's something that I find really difficult still nowadays. Like the fashion industry is going so fast. There's so many like seasons. There's so many like new products coming up and then you have Instagram, you see all these new images. It goes so quick. You feel like you need to create constantly something new to be seen. And even if I don't work like that as a person, like you do still feel, I still felt that pressure. Yeah. And so I think instead of me in that moment being like, whoa, I might have a burnout because I didn't accept think that in that moment um i just went on making projects but looking back now i'm like oh my god max you should have just laid down in bed you know and just accepted 
<laughs> and I think like in general, it's like when you we're so also used to like not feel sad, you're not allowed to feel sad, you're not allowed to feel angry, like these things need to be comp- directly fixed almost. And yeah. I think I think I didn't let myself feel those negative emotions. And I think at the moment when I did and I there was more things in my life that started happening and it felt like, you know, one thing happens and then everything falls down, you know? Right. So I think everything fell down. Like there was no other option for me than to completely surrender to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing is most people feel like they don't deserve to feel unhappy because maybe, you know, you have, we have great lives. Like you have a lot of, there's so much to be grateful for, but it's still something you can't control those feelings. And I think it's so important just to let them, you know, come in and then accept them and stew in them if you need to like take take the time to process it and be miserable if you have to be miserable for a little bit and then work on how to get out of it yeah definitely and i think it's actually really good way of uh, interesting what you're saying that you feel guilty for feeling sad yeah because you're like oh my god i'm so privileged in so many ways yet like how can i now have a burnout you know like i must be happy of what i have achieved or where i am um and that makes you hold back from really completely accepting it that yeah. you are shit. because even if you have the best job in the world like it can still drain you you know and oh. therefore i think like it's so important that we yeah, we understand what makes us happy, what works well for us, and uh, to not think about like, okay, like I'm a designer and I need to do it in this and this and this way, but think about like, okay, I like design and I create designs, but what works for me? Like, how do I want to make my business? And I think this is something that I miss a lot, I think, in a lot of art and design schools. It's about, okay, you learn about your aesthetic and about who you are design-wise, you don't learn how you are creatively in the business mm-hmm. and I think those two need to be really cr- uh, connected to actually completely get your designs and yourself out there yeah they really need to kind of teach you how to bridge the gap between like your creative your creativity and then your mental health surrounding your creativity too because if you do have these negative feelings it can really impact your work and it can impact it for the better or the worse. Like it could, you could come up with some crazy interesting collection that based on how you're feeling that month, but it really, it there most like most schools, they don't really teach you how to handle your mental health. They oh. only teach you how to, you know, like keep pushing forward in your career and how to get to the top and all of this. And it kind of creates this competitive culture and I could yeah. see Fashion, especially, it's so competitive because it's like comp- there's so much, so much out there. Yeah, no, definitely. I think this culture is super competitive, and that's also why there's no time to feel. There's no time to think about right. what you want or how you are, um, because there's so much competition. And I think that's as well another thing in this industry is like, you know, this industry I think is standing quite still. I mean. We're not really moving forward. We're not doing really well. There's still so much waste. There's so much irresponsibility towards nature and towards people. And I think 
it's still moving. Like, how can it be that we already made so many documentaries? There's all many um, pointed out so many companies that doesn't that don't work really well, and still they do exist, and yeah. still people buy from it. And I feel like, you know, because still people make money from it. And I think like this is so weird that we're not moving forward, and we're we're not. I mean, of course, there are small changes. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things happening. But I think in the big picture, like, fashion is still one of the main polluted industries of the world. Yeah. And I think in that way, I think part of it, why we're not moving forward, is also because we don't collaborate. Because we are so competitive towards each other and also towards other industries. Well, there's actually, like, we do need each other, I think. And I think that should be supported. Uh, yeah, I think together. that's so unique. Yeah, that's such a unique way to think about it because it is a lot of it's glossed over too. It could be more words than actions, like saying, you know, don't do this or like buy, don't buy fast fashion, do this. But people are still going to buy fast fashion if they see like their favorite celebrity wearing this fast fashion or doing a collaboration with this brand or this and that. And I think that's important is having kind of other brands to back you up and other designers to speak out and kind of put their foot down on that. Yeah, I think like, I mean, I love to design and to create beautiful garments. Uh, Like that's what I love to do uh, the most. But I also feel like the responsibility as a fashion designer to think about it differently. And I think like, instead of producing constantly a collection, I also feel um, the responsibility to make people aware of what clothes are and what clothes can be and how the industry looks like. And therefore, like, part of it is because uh, that's why I teach as well. So I teach also sustainable fashion and design psychology. Um, But now I'm also starting this course, um, like um, a coaching program, wherein I'm really, like... uh, Actually, it's specifically for uh, creative to make sure that they can show their designs and show themselves. But through this process, clothes is a really big part of it because it's like, you know, how can you embody your higher self, like your good self? How do you feel good when you feel strong? And I think clothes really are there to support that part of yourself. So, you know, like already to give people more of an understanding, like what does that feel good do I like silk on my skin? Do I like wool? Do I like cotton? How does it feel? Also, which silhouettes does make me feel good? Can I move properly in this? Do I want to move properly in this? And I think like if you have all these thoughts already about very conscious uh, feelings and thoughts about what works good for your body, I don't think you would go to a primer. I don't yeah. think you would go to H&M because you're so much more aware of like exactly what your body needs why you won't buy any that much things because you would buy that one thing that makes you feel good and that you also are aware. I mean, I completely believe that the energy you put into the creation of a garment is also spread on the person that's going to wear it. So when all these people are working on it uh, with a very negative energy or they're being treated bad, like, I mean, you see that in the garments when you, you wear that and you think about, oh, my God, this is a child that's been working on this, that's blood on this garment. Like, how can you wear it then with pride, you know? Yeah. When you know, I mean, when I'm wearing the dress 
uh, from my grandma that she made herself. And my mom wore it and I wear it now. That's like when I wear that dress, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, my grandma made this. Yeah. I made it. You know, it's a fabric that she made like several garments off. And from the waist, I remember so well, from the mm. waist of the fabric, she made like tissues. Like, you know, wow. like, but then there's like a story behind something. And when you wear it, it will empower you as well. And I think that responsibility, I feel, as a designer as well. And therefore, I want to do like the coaching sessions. And also, I mean, not sure yet how I will do this with my branding. But, I mean, that's, I think, that will make the big change. When people become more of, aware of their relationship with clothing, um, to make it very personal. And then you can look smart, st- yeah, slowly bigger, I think, to the real industry, what's yeah. happening. And it's like it's like wearable art. And it's like a piece of history when you have something like a garment that's been passed down in your family or something like that. And I think it's kind of the same, like this day and age with social media and things like that, people just want to become like successful and famous and be seen and known. And I think the same thing goes for fashion or up and coming designers. Like a lot of them just want to be like, okay, I want any celebrity to wear my clothes and I'll do whatever it takes, even if that means, you know, like following whatever trend is, is going on for that, that season. And while yes, like I understand you kind of have to like go with the, the flow of the times, but I think it's so important to stay true to yourself and kind of be like, okay, these are the things I like to create. I don't care what decade people think they're from, but they are what I like and what feels good and they make me happy to make them. And you can tell like when you get a piece of clothing that's from fast fashion and you hold it up and it's just like not sewn properly or doesn't fit right or anything like that, like it makes a huge difference than when you put on that really nice sweater that feels perfect and you just never want to get rid of it and would be devastated if you lost it because you have this like sentimental value with it. Yeah, and I think part of it is also about, like, um, that you think that you're worth it as well to wear it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, I mean, I find it quite, like, I don't have, like, a big budget to constantly buy all those expensive clothes. Also, I don't believe in that because, yeah, I mean, with a couple of garments, she would be all right, I think. So when you do buy something like when i buy like something important or like something that's more expensive or like from a specific designer like i really earn, like save money for it i really yeah. think about it completely through when i buy it and then when you buy it it also remembers you of that moment when you bought it you know you're like oh that was in the moment that i treated myself or i did a presentation in that uh, jacket and since that that's my lucky jacket you know so i feel like also, when sometimes, um, for example, like now, I'm doing with you the podcast. And before this podcast, I was wearing something else. And I was like, oh, a podcast, I need to speak. I do find it a bit like, nervous, but yeah, it's going to be all right. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to put my own clothes on, my own design. Because, and then directly, when I put it on, I'm like, oh, fuck, now I'm ready to speak, man. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like this that these garments or the designs that you choose that they can like really support you in where you are and what you want to say. It's Um, so true. 
I mean, it really can change your whole mindset if you're just comfortable in what you're wearing. And it, it, I mean, it's true for most things. Like when people feel good, look good, they feel good. And if they look good in what they're wearing, they're confident. It's like a kind of wearing like a, like a superhero costume. It's just like this connection that you have. Um, but that's incredible. And I think it's so great that you're helping other designers kind of like understand clothes in a way that most people don't and connect it in a way that they can moving forward approach fashion in a way that's more mindful than just kind of the end goal. It's like more about the journey and, and working every day to be creative instead of just kind of thinking way too far ahead of like, okay, I want this hugely successful company, but those like little moments. Yeah. And I think that is also maybe part of like, um, yeah, making sure that you balance yourself and also good for your mental health is to not always think about those goals that are very far away, but actually being in the now and Mm -hmm. being like, Step by step, what is there now? And also not think about like, where do I want to go? What do I not have? To think about what do I have, you know? Right. And where am I right now? Because it's like, there is already so much for you. And I think like, for me, like I'm some person, I'm, I'm a person that is a lot like in my head. I think a lot, I'm a lot, I would say in the air, dreamy like this. Yeah. But I think me also wearing clothes and really feeling my body makes me so much more present and grounded yeah yeah, exactly present grounded and think about like okay like I have all these dreams and thoughts about projects and the future but then like okay but where am I now how do I feel what am I actually have now in front of me what is the next step and yeah I think then you're starting to really like the creative process also more instead of thinking of like I need to have this as a result because otherwise I'm not able to exist as a designer or, you know, otherwise I'm not successful. Like I feel now that I'm feel really successful for myself, not because I'm selling much because I'm not, but because I'm actually feeling good. I'm actually waking up with excitement every day and I have ideas again. And I think like that is success, you know? Absolutely. That's the, that's the most important thing is to actually be happy in what you're doing, whether like money is a factor or not. I think if you're happy and you're like excited to get out of bed every day, that is the ultimate goal in life. So yeah, what did you do during the lockdown that kind of helped you get out of the funk that you were in? I mean, already before lockdown, I started coming a little bit out of this already. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a couple of presentations planned. So I was like, oh, things are finally going to happen. But then all oh, everything got canceled. So I lockdown. Know. <laughs> but actually, yeah, it was for me the best moment uh, to actually like uh, step back again. And as I said, like before, I was already I think in my burnout but I didn't accept it and still have to work like now for the first time I wasn't able to work you know right. you have to be sitting literally still. not allowed to <laughs> yeah you're literally not allowed to like I couldn't go to my atelier and I lived in a very small studio with my boyfriend and so 
I couldn't like design there. I didn't have my machines there. But that was so lovely because then for the first time, I was actually becoming present and really looking outside uh, out of the window and staring for a long time. I mean, yeah. staring is so nice. <laughs> just that, that moment of not doing something and just like looking outside. Like, Appreciating the- those like little moments. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think understanding what you're really feeling. And for example, as I'm saying now, like, oh, I'm happy to start my day and excited for my day. It's not that I'm happy all the time. Like, right. I'm also super down. I'm also, like, sometimes really aggressive and sometimes I'm super excited. But I think allowing all these different emotions and checking in constantly with your body, what you're feeling, that's something I learned definitely in lockdown. Yeah. Because you're not always happy. You And definitely when you're going in that stream of work, 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 you're sometimes not even, you don't even know what you're feeling. So, yeah. I think you're allowing was- yourself to live basically and like accepting emotions and, and it's also nice that you're probably able to connect with your boyfriend and get closer because I know when you're so stressed with work, it's sometimes like your relationships kind of take the least priority on your list. And that's like a good way to kind of bring you guys back together and connect even with friends or family. I think definitely like he's also a creative um, and he's so talented. <laughs> he's a, he makes music and, um, and I think like, because also he's working all the time so hard and mm-hmm. we're both like working all the time, you know, work, 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 hard, hard, hard. We're so ambitious. We so really want to do the thing that we love. Yeah. But then, yeah, with lockdown, you actually had to sit still and you couldn't put that pressure there or you weren't able to work all the time. And I think that moment when you really get to know each other in a different way, but also understanding or actually accepting and seeing for the first time that there's life as well outside of work. And I think that right. was the biggest one was like, oh my God, like my life has been working hard. My life has been about ambition and passion and reaching what I want to do instead of like, you know, just relaxing. Like yeah. I was not a relaxer. I, I am actually, but I have never allowed myself to relax. Yeah. It's the first time that I think people realized like, okay, this is what life would be like if you were literally not allowed to work or if work didn't exist or something. And like, how, how do you function in a life like that? And how, like, what, what do you, what does that even look like with being in a, I think that's why so many people either, you know, got even closer and ended up getting engaged or married or people went their separate ways because it's sort of just like, once you take away kind of like all of the things that people do, it's like, who are they just like stripped down basically? Like what is this relationship about and things like that? So I think that's why it was like, even, even if people did break up during a pandemic or, or things went wrong, I think that's sort of a blessing in disguise because it saved them all of this time that could have happened years from now that they didn't even realize like, they're going yeah. to the most. I completely agree. And the same for friends, right? Because like in then when it's lockdown and you're able to just see a few people or like, you know, you, you're going to start really choosing who you want to see, who you want to speak to. And 
I think, yeah, maybe sometimes in life you're so used to like be friends with everyone, but then also you're realizing that maybe you don't need that many people as well, you know? Yeah. That quality is so much more important than the quantity. And of course you say this a lot, like you know this, but actually really experiencing it, like yeah, it gives so much more space in your mind. Totally. So how do you deal with being a creative and making like a garment that you love so much and then putting it out there for the world to see and dealing with like, whether it be criticism or just confidence, like what do you do to keep yourself focused just on, you know, okay, I like this and I am proud of it no matter what someone says about it or no matter what, you know, a, a news reporter writes about it or, or a fashion editor or anything. Like, w- what do you do to keep, like, your confidence level up? Um, I'm not doing it very conscious, but if I have to think about it, like, for me, for example, it took really a long time to do my workout because I was really, um, really afraid of showing it. Um, yeah afraid of like not that it wouldn't be understood or that it wouldn't be um, seen as well um, but I think that all had to do with myself mm-hmm. with my own security of being seen or something in that way or um, so I think like what I'm doing now I'm now not even thinking about it consciously anymore but what I'm doing is that I'm checking a lot in with myself, making sure that I feel good. Um, also, also deciding your own timing. You know, like for example, sometimes you have uh, moments that you have to show your work, and you feel the pressure, and then you're showing your work, and actually, oh, is it ready? Oh, I'm afraid of critics, or oh, I'm this because you don't feel he- like completely ready yet. And I think that's when you're insecure. But I feel like when you take the time and Take the time as long as you want. Like there is a moment that you're going to be ready, but you need to make sure and research within yourself and your design, like what that is that's still missing for you to show it. Because now, like when a critic doesn't, uh, when someone would say something negative about my work, um, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Would love to hear your perspective. But I also feel like I can't create differently. Like this is who I am. Like I would... I, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to, um, I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please right. myself, you know? So I think like when I realized that, that I was not creating for the other, but I had to create first for myself. Yeah. Then like the thing is I can't create differently. So if I wouldn't like, right. if I'm not accepting myself in this way, then of course I'm going to be afraid, but I am slowly starting to accept like, this is what it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't control it. It just is what it is. Yeah. And like now I feel like confidence. I mean, the me, the confidence is still slowly growing with it. And it grows for me every time when someone wears it and they say to me like, Oh Max, fuck man. Like it completely made me feel so different uh, wearing this. And now, for example, a, a girl, a friend of mine just came uh, by and she gave me some um, clothes back that she wore for an event. And she was like, whoa, now I know what you mean. Like, I really felt supported and I really, I really felt differently. And 
He's like, I'm gonna now like save money to get the suit from you. And I'm like, this is what gives me now confidence. Right. Like, it's like, because I didn't design in my head, like, oh, she needs to be happy and she needs this, blah, blah, blah. No, I designed because I had to create because I put so much positive energy and so much time into it. And so, yeah, so much attention. Yeah. That, like, it couldn't go wrong, you know? Right. It fuels you too, which is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for everyone, it's like, yeah, you just have to start accepting yourself and your work before yeah. you. Because don't feel that pressure of like, oh, it needs to come out now because I need to show right. something. No, do it when you're ready, you know? Totally. So in terms of like mental health and things like that, I know you, you hadn't really experienced anything like that before with like the feeling of not wanting to get out of bed or being like anxious to, you know, face the world kind of thing. And so, I mean, I have a similar experience where maybe it was like a high functioning anxiety that I was dealing with or something. And then once you kind of get hit with it all at once, it's overwhelming. But being, you know, European and everything, I know like therapy over there is much different than in the US and like the options available are different too. It's not as maybe talked about or widely accepted. So what do you do in terms of, I mean, you or people you know, like who need to see a therapist or maybe need like an extra that extra boost of help besides just you know talking to a friend or something like or just taking time off mm -hmm. i mean most of my friends now are all in therapy okay <laughs> um, so i think it's quite it becomes quite normal here now I, i'm not sure maybe it's also the age but i feel like yeah almost everyone's in therapy yeah um, but uh yeah i'm not I'm, I'm curious how it is in america but for example, like, I also feel, um, for example, I did music therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's a creative type of uh, therapy. And because I'm not a musician or I don't create music or play an instrument, I felt like, oh, this is the right thing for me to do. Because, like, I think I can speak, speak, speak. I can always speak, you know, and I have, uh, like, I already think everything through like yeah. with my brain and with my mind. So I think it was for me really do good to do like therapy that was unconscious, that was like therapy not about speaking, but about like experiencing about experiencing it. Yeah. And I think here in Europe, I think there's a lot of these creative therapies available, but I also feel like at the moment it's really almost like a trend that there's like a lot of coaching going on. There's a lot of like, um, yeah, uh, life coaches that people that you speak with like once a week or something and yeah. not only speaking but also already thinking about actions like how to make the next step so I think that's what I see around me um, but how is it in America then? We ha we do a lot of talk therapy and I think that's that's really interesting doing like there are I think a lot of people face therapy in a kind of a negative way and maybe it's a little different now because there's like telehealth and things like that. And the pandemic's kind of changed like a lot of people's outlook on, on getting help. But there was that kind of stigma towards therapy, like 
you think of someone laying on a couch and talking to a man with like a notepad and all of that. And it's it, while there is that factor, but I think people don't realize there are other ways to get help and get have therapy, whether it's art therapy or music therapy or, you know, like support groups or things like that. Like people, it doesn't have to be that way. And it's also, even if it, you want to have a talk therapy session, it might not just be, it might just be the wrong therapist that you're meeting with. So I think, um, there is a lot available here, but it just is a, it dependent on what fits you, I guess. And like what, what kind of therapy you really need. But yeah, I know. Um, I think, I mean, the life coaching is really interesting too, because some people need to be told like, you know, do this and we'll see what happens instead of just talking about your feelings. Yeah. I think like, um, I think here it was well still like that idea of like, oh, therapy, like uh, then you're crazy or something, you know, and must be like, then it goes really, really bad with you. And I think, I think when I started therapy, I think there was then when I had the, when I had that burnout and I felt like, oh my God, it's going really bad with me. And I started reacting really differently and stuff to people. And then I found that therapist um, also by accident. So weird. She found our phone in the field that we lost. And I was saying the day before I said like, oh my God, I really need a therapist. That's not going well with me. And then this woman found our phone and she was... Wow. <laughs> That's cosmic. <laughs> so sick. But the thing is, like, not many people were doing therapy in that moment. And when I started therapy, I also felt like, whoa, I must be... I really saw right. that moment also that I was going crazy, that I was crazy. And now, I mean, I think a very big thing that people could... Uh, yeah, should see differently is that like you don't have to go to therapy only because you feel shit. You know, you can also go to therapy when you feel good because yeah. it's also, like this reflection about yourself. And I think we have to speak more about that we are going to therapy, that we like going to therapy, that it helps us because I mean, some sessions I hate, but most of the sessions afterwards I'm like, ah, like a release and like yeah. I clear again, like. It's actually fucking great to go to therapy. <laughs> I have the same thing. I sometimes I'm like, oh, I really don't want to go. And then every time, like most of the time after I go, I'm like, okay, I feel better. Even if you're talking about literally like what you're doing that week, it's just a good way to get things off your chest that, and maybe you don't want to like pile on your, your crap to your friend and instead tell someone who has to listen to you. And yeah. You. So Yeah. I yeah, I think it's like a moment of reflection, really. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, a really good thing. But I think, yeah, there still is a lot of uh, work to do for make people like feel relaxed or comfortable by going to therapy. And I think I've seen, I mean, I'm raised in a very supportive family and a creative family as well. So for me, it was very um, normal as well, like, almost like easy to go to a creative therapy because I yeah. think and also what you're saying like some people I have friends that start therapy they have therapists that they don't connect with and they stop because they thought oh therapies they're not nothing for me so I'm like right. 
therapy is for everyone. You just have to find the right seat for the person to do it with. Yeah, I mean, that's why people meditate. It's like their form of therapy or yeah. rest and relax and or dance or any of these things that people do to disconnect and like shut off your brain for a little or just like get things out because uh, even writing people do that. I mean, I, I notice like if I go through like a bad breakup or something happens, like if I write like almost a letter to myself about the situation and don't do anything with it, it just, it's like a way to get all the thoughts out. And then it's like purging <laughs> your emotions onto a page or in whatever facet that will help you. Yeah. And like, it's so helpful. And I, f- I feel like a lot of people, it's, depending on the field too, if you're in a non-creative field, I really think it's important for people to get that outlet. But then if you're in a creative field, you need that too. And that's something I feel like they need to open up in schools or like whatever company you're working for, like to have that person. Okay. Like we hire a therapist for each company and you can go talk to them through day if you're like about to snap or you feel like you really need to like get something off your chest or just sit there in silence or cry or whatever you need to do I think it also is really that there is someone available for you and has complete focus for you I think that is already something that is so special really because someone is literally sitting there in the room for, for you you know right like, they're not on the phone they're not like waiting for yeah their next appointments or anything like they're completely focused on you i think that's so important because people just want to be seen at the other end of the day and understood and like that's such a big thing is to have yeah also like normally i mean i experience it myself like when i'm with a friend or with anyone else i feel like it needs to be giving and receiving you know it needs to be like this movement in between but I mean I found it really easy to give and be like wow 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 well, I want to know this from you and blah 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 but sometimes also it's more it's for me sometimes difficult to receive also from yeah. someone else right? then when you're like in an um yeah with a therapist it's like oh my god like that person is completely for me I don't need to give anything back to yeah or you know and I think that is really strange, but also it really feels like, yeah, almost that you're worth it or something, you know? Totally. And and sometimes they just, having someone who doesn't know you that well give you feedback is really helpful in this weird way where they kind of understand you maybe from, they understand you in a way of how you work, but without the, the personal and the the familiar attachment it's just an Mm -hmm. and they give you tools to like move forward or tools of how to cope with this and that and in a way that just will help you instead of you know navigating they'll they I mean obviously when you talk to them and kind of understand you better but they don't know you on this personal level that they're going to be like affected by it so they're giving you tools they're not going to be affected by it. That's a really good one. Yeah. Like, you know, you can take your space in that moment because that person knows how to hold their space. You know, they're there for you. Like, exactly. you can as big or as small as you want in that moment. Exactly. Yeah, well, Max, that- 
thank you so much for coming on this podcast it's been so nice i love that we connected even even though it was the most random thing if everyone wants to know i dm her because i loved her clothes like you have made (laughs) clothes ever they're so beautiful and it's like watching when someone wears it's like watching like someone dancing it's just incredible i can't wait to wear it one day i'm it's one of those things like I want to save my money to buy your clothes and everyone else oh, should too. I'm sure they would like on you. And they can support you as well with your new university, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, yourself. It feels strong. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And I wanna hear more in the future about what you're doing with your coaching and just like follow your success because I know you will be super successful as it you already are, but you know, more, even more so. Thank you so much. So sweet. I also definitely keep track of you. I think you're doing really a wonderful thing with this podcast. I think it's super valuable at this moment for people. Definitely because I mean, we're getting more and more, I think in this age or in this area of life that people are more self-reflecting or wanting to choose for what makes them feel good. And there's yeah. so many mental health problems right now and related to work mm-hmm. and burnout I think we need to start speaking more about this and making people aware that you're not the only one and that there are things that you can do about it and that you are not I mean I thought when I got my burnout I really thought that oh my god I'm a depressive person right. who I am. like oh my god like I'm, I'm this sad. is me now <laughs> yeah but that's you in that moment. Like, there's right. different parts of you. Any emotion that you have, you can have as, as long, I think, as you feel, you know? Yeah. If you're really shit, you can also feel really good. And I think... Yeah. It can be circumstantial or it can be, like, a part of you. But either way, there's ways to cope with it and deal with it and manage it or just embrace it. So... I agree. I think it's important to talk about. And honestly, these podcast sessions are like therapy sessions sometimes, even for me. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. And good luck with your, uh, with everything you're doing. Thank you. You too. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Bye. Bye.